Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. Happy Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, it's Thursday. We're almost there. Finish line insight for the work week. I mean, if you're working Monday through Friday. Uh, the phone number is 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. If you were not able to join in on the uh, uh, the Twitter announcement uh, last night, don't worry. I tuned in, so you didn't have to. Uh, and I rolled tape, or the equivalent of it, digitally speaking. And so uh, we could take a listen to uh, some of the highlights where Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis officially entered the 2024 presidential race during a special event with Twitter owner, Chief Twit, as he has called himself, Elon Musk. The conversation between DeSantis and Musk was on Twitter Spaces, which was kind of like, do you remember? I don't know if you're old enough to remember this. Probably not. But do you remember that platform? It was called Clubhouse. And not not like a real like Treehouse Clubhouse, like the He-Man Women Hating Club, nothing like that. The clubhouse it was a digital space and it was basically a conference call you 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 got to dial into to a conference call and listen as famous and powerful people talked about stuff and yeah that was it and it was popular it was super popular for a minute as a lot of these platforms are when they try to imitate radio it's really i mean it's just a constant search for uh, you know, another thing besides radio. That's all. But they all, repl- I mean, they're all replicating radio. Everybody wants to be radio. Podcasts, too. What are podcasts? Like when I got, I did, I had a successful podcast before. I still do. I'm not knocking podcasts at all. I love the spoken word format. You do as well. If you're listening to me, of all people, you must really love it. So the things that make podcasts uh, appealing and addictive and, and entertaining and informative, right? Active listening. Content. Content is king or queen. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to like exclude anybody, but uh, content is is the is the key. And podcasts deliver content in a spoken word format. I remember when I started mine, I was looking at, uh, you know, these industry magazines or not magazines. There you go. So that's not even a magazine. It's, uh, you know, websites and such looking at the trades. And all of the advice they're giving all of these new podcasters, it's all the advice that people have been giving radio people for 100 years. You know, these are the things that make a successful radio show, ABCD, whatever. And then I ignore all of them. And uh, yeah, and so they're telling people how to be uh, a decent podcaster. But it's all radio stuff. Everybody in radio knows this stuff. And so the Twitter spaces is essentially a conference call. It's a radio interview. Now, the problem, I think, with the one last night was that the hosts, quote-unquote, were not professional radio people. They weren't even podcasters. It was Elon Musk and this other fella named uh, David Sachs. 
He's a Republican donor. He's a big fan of DeSantis. He's a fan of Elon Musk. He's a he's an ally of Musk's. So, uh, but he's a big time Republican donor, and he sort of did the hosting. And it was just this weird kind of clubhouse type atmosphere where they're just kind of sitting around and talking about various things, you know, free speech. And but they started off with this announcement that DeSantis is running for president, but it was against this backdrop that they're talking about these different issues. They bring in some various people to ask questions like Thomas Massey, the congressman, Jay Bhattacharya about the COVID stuff and the lockdowns. But it was kind of an odd format. I'm going to get into more of that in a minute. So this was the, uh, but this is how, um, this is how it all started. And uh, it started at six o'clock. And, um, and I was like, oh, okay, so I'm going to set, I'm going to record this. It'd be great to do my live stream at seven. I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to play this audio. We could react to it. So I, I set up my recording device and I'm all ready to go. And well, here's a couple of New York times headlines on this. For example, um, Elon Musk's event with Ron DeSantis exposes Twitter's weaknesses or awkward silence. Ron DeSantis's bold Twitter gambit. That flopped. This is how it started. Mm. Now it's quiet. Hmm. All right. That's not ideal, I don't think. Los Angeles Times headline, Why did Ron DeSantis think announcing his candidacy to Elon Musk was a good idea? All right. Uh, good afternoon, good evening, or good morning, everyone, depending on wherever in the world you're joining us from. I'm broadcasting live from David from Twitter headquarters. It's David Sachs here. Uh, Elon is sitting next to me, and we want and we want to welcome you to this historic Twitter Spaces event, and more broadly, a first in the history of social media. Uh, tonight, I'm pleased to introduce two individuals who've done more to loosen the lo- loosen the what? What is this thing on? What's happening? What's going on? NBC headline, start of Ron DeSantis presidential campaign melts down in Twitter problems. Huffington Post, melting the servers. DeSantis tried to launch his campaign on Twitter. It did not go well. CNBC, Twitter glitches plague Ron DeSantis's much-hyped presidential announcement with Elon Musk. Politico, DeSantis's launch marred by horrendous tech failures. All right, sorry about that. We, we've got so many people here that I think we are, we are uh, kind of melting the servers. Uh, which is a good sign. Um, all right, I'd like to For introduce the the, uh, the folks in, in the room here. So it's safe to say we wouldn't be making history without the man sitting next to me, Elon Musk. His decision to purchase this platform last year to restore to its original mission as a beacon for free speech and even to expose Twitter's past complicity with a government censorship regime might have surprised many, but not those of us who've known and worked with Elon for nearly a quarter century. His commitment to freedom, commitment to freedom and his willingness to put his money where his mouth is, upset the narrative, upset the narrative control, control imposed on us by our government, yeah. elite institutions, and corporate media. Uh, go ahead and send a, a heart up if you want to say thank you, Elon. <laughs> uh, Governor DeSantis first drew my attention and support when I saw how he responded to the COVID pandemic and refuse to believe what we now know to be the many falsehoods that government experts and their media mouthpieces were feeding us. He kept Florida's schools open and its economy thriving, while my state of California chose two years of learning loss and lockdowns that we have yet to fully. Oh, 
Really? Again? National Review headline, Ron DeSantis' Twitter launch was a disaster. Let's see. So, are we on? Yeah, I think so. Um, just to simplify this, I think we're just going to use your... Washington Post, Twitter repeatedly crashes as DeSantis tries to make presidential announcement. Well, there's 382,000 people in the room. All right, great. So, let's see. So they just keep crashing, huh? Yeah, I think we've got <laughs> a, just a massive number of people online, so it's um, servers are straining somewhat. Gosh, if only we had known this event was going to transpire. Maybe we could have tested this. I don't know. Um, semaphore headline, Ron DeSantis gambled on Elon Musk and went bust. This, like this, some today. Um, all right, we're just uh, reallocating more uh, server capability uh, to be able to handle load here. It's uh, really going going crazy. So, um, yeah, I'm obviously very excited to um, have uh, Governor DeSantis uh, make this. Yeah, uh... I'm out. I'm out. All right, so what? all of that transpired over the course of more than, like, about half an hour. I gave you, that was literally... All of the audio that was fed down in, on the Twitter Spaces page for everybody that came in to listen at 6 o'clock, they did not get that thing up and running until 6.30. So over the course of an entire half hour, every piece of audio that I just played for you is the only audio that we got. And it was drips and drabs throughout the entire half hour. So you'd be sitting there in silence and all of a sudden you would hear one of these clips. One of these, huh, huh, huh? is this thing on? The servers are melting down. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, that's a problem. Maybe you guys could have tested some of this stuff, you know, stress test before you got on. And by the way, this is not new. They know that whenever Elon Musk does something, he's got like 100 million followers or something. And whenever he does something live, it strains the servers. So here's like here's my view on it. And I, I know it's going to come as a shock. I think the people that hate Ron DeSantis and love Trump, they thought this is like campaign killing material. And the people that love Ron DeSantis and don't like Donald Trump or are just kind of, you know, ambivalent or whatever at this point about Trump, but they like DeSantis more. I think they will ignore this. And and it is possible. I don't think this is a I don't think this is actually an indictment on DeSantis. I think it's an indictment on Elon Musk and Twitter. That's who I think came out of that looking badly. I mean, DeSantis is just going to do what he can do. They released their ads. He was there to do this, you know, chat. He's trying to reach people in a different forum. So I get it. But let's just say it was suboptimal. <laughs> that was not the best way to launch your announcement for president. Yeah. Oh, hey, real quick. Before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? The Alzheimer's Association of Western Carolina, the chapter, the Western Carolina chapter, um, 
in conjunction with Ally Financial, all about seniors, carbon events and marketing, Roxbury Nightclub, and presented by Jameson Realty, it is the Family Dance Party CLT. It's going on on June 10th. Uh, come on down. They've uh, you know, games and snacks. they got a dance contest with a top prize that includes $200 in cash and coins to Taste of Charlotte. So, which is Charlotte, Taste of Charlotte, which is going on that very same weekend. So come on down to the family dance party. And if you can't get there or maybe you're not a good dancer, whatever, you got other plans, that's fine. You can make a donation uh, as well. Go to Mix1079.com. Mix1079.com for uh, the family dance party, CLT, to benefit the fight against Alzheimer's. All right, so what did you think of the... uh, the announcement last night. Oh, I actually haven't played any of those sound bites yet, have I? Um, the actual announcement. Because then he went on, and, and Ron DeSantis is now doing all of the uh, the shows. I mean, except mine. But he's doing all of the, <laughs> he's on the national shows. He did Mark Levin. He did Glenn Beck. He, uh, he immediately went on Fox News after last night's delayed announcement. He, he sat and hung out with them for uh, about an hour, and then he went over to uh, chat with Trey Gowdy on Fox News. Eric Erickson and a whole bunch of media uh, folks in conservative media. He's been hitting today, which yeah, that's how you do it. You got to start off, right? You got to shore up the base first. And he's going to talk to all of these different audiences. And by the way, people are asking, why did he do this on Twitter? And I saw a really good explanation for it. Thank you, Karen Townsend from hotair.com who uh, alerted readers to a fella named Kenneth Monahan, who uh, he used to be a chief of staff in the House during the 117th Congress. And he says, I can tell you why DeSantis is going to use Twitter. He said, after Glenn Youngkin won the Virginia governorship, different elements of his team spoke to us all to help us learn the lessons of his campaign. Right, so think about it. He, this, this guy, Ken, is working in Congress. He's a chief of staff up in Congress. And Yunkin wins Virginia. And his team, the, the, the campaign team for Yunkin, shows up to tell these chief of staff and the other staffers for the members of Congress how they did it. And his comms people went around giving a talk. And they said they did one press conference, one, at the launch of the campaign. And virtually every question from the media, what do you think? We're about, every one of them were about Trump. Nothing about Virginia, nothing about policy, nothing about contrasting him with his opponent. So as a result, they never held another press conference for the entirety of the campaign, and they won. If you are a Republican candidate, it makes absolutely no sense to try to communicate with the voters through the legacy media, traditional media. No sense, because every question is going to be about Donald Trump. And that's why he went to Twitter. Now, I don't know, maybe he could have done a speech or whatever, but he's doing conservative media first. And if he never talks to, quote, legacy media, traditional media outlets, this will be why. 
All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Glenn Youngkin, Virginia Governor, Youngkin's model. What they found was that when you hold a news conference, everybody just asks you about Trump all the time. So just don't do any more news conferences. This is the explanation Kenneth Monaghan offered up. Makes sense. Karen Townsend at HotAir.com says this explanation makes sense. Nobody should doubt the talent that DeSantis has on his comms team, right? They're top-notch talent. They are quick to respond to all the incoming shots that DeSantis takes every single day. This is, uh, uh, what's her name, Christina, is it Pushaw or something? Um, and then there's a Brian, another guy, Brian Redfern, I believe. And they, I mean, if you want, you want comedy, go follow them on Twitter because they do... <laughs> I mean, they smack the bejeebus out of uh, out of reporters that come at them. It's hilarious, um, and it's and it's nonstop. They're like last night they were uh, they were getting reporters ratioed on Twitter. So there, so everybody agrees. I think that like well, at least everybody on the right agrees that their comms team is is good. They know how to use social media. They bring receipts. They're really good at it. DeSantis is known for having a quality staff around him, and that speaks to his executive skills. Karen Townsend notes that you might notice a bit of a contrast there with Donald Trump, who boasted about only hiring the best people and then brought in some, well, shall we say, less than stellar picks, right? Sometimes a few of them lasted only a Scaramucci, which is a period of 10 days. Okay, it is smart. (laughs) It is smart to avoid legacy media outlets as a Republican candidate. This is one of the questions I had with Donald Trump doing the doing the town hall rather with CNN. Why are you doing that? You know what you're going to get when you go there. I was shocked that they packed the place with, you know, Trump supporters or people who at least, you know, didn't just hate him with the passion of a million sons. So, or I guess that would be the fire of a million sons, not the passion, because the sun doesn't really have a lot of passion, except for when it comes to killing us. The sun is trying to kill us all all the time. Um, How many times have you watched an interview with a Republican politician or any, uh, on any network other than Fox or Newsmax, right? And thought, why did they go there? I always ask that. They're always met with some level of hostility just because they are Republicans. Legacy media and cable news outlets are extensions of the DNC at this point. They coordinate messages. They cover for Democrats in office, especially the feeble and inept Joe Biden. So DeSantis is bypassing them all except Fox News, where he has the best shot of a, at least, a fair interview. If not, you know... I will say Gowdy didn't exactly give him a pass on stuff. Like, for example, let me see here. I had a. 
Mm. I forget which clip it is. Well, I guess we're going to find out which one. Was it? Uh... Oh, yeah. I think this is it. Be- well, uh, all right. Because when he goes on there on Fox News with Gowdy, they are had all of the problems already on Twitter. And so Gowdy makes reference to it. And even DeSantis makes note of it as well that they had these problems and they immediately after he was done on Twitter, he then cut a 30 second spot and they pushed it out. Like I said, he's got a good comms team. They pushed it out. And this is what he said. Hi, this is Governor Ron DeSantis. I'm running for president of the United States to lead our great American comeback. We announced that on Twitter spaces earlier tonight and it broke the Internet because so many people were excited about being on that Twitter space. Now let's see if we can break win red. Please go to rondesantis.com, donate to the cause, and I think it'll be a night to remember. Thank you, and God bless. Okay, so third, it was like a 28-second message. They pushed it out immediately. You could tell he recorded it immediately uh, after he was done with Twitter, and so they leaned in, right? You can't deny that the thing happened, that they had this train wreck of a launch on Twitter spaces. Not their fault, right? Twitter couldn't handle the the load, and so... I think it's that was a smart play to say, look, we had, and I think the number I saw was like 700,000 people tried to get on. I was one of them, and it crashed the system. Now, I think there was, you know, like the people like, uh, like Musk and Sachs, they were saying, oh, it's never happened before. The biggest room ever. And, uh, that's not true. There are people that go on to video game streaming platforms like Twitch and they get a million people following them, watching them play a video game. So, like, it's not, (laughs) this was not some sort of groundbreaking event. It might have been for Twitter, but the idea that you could get a whole bunch of people watching content or listening to, I mean, you didn't even have a video feed of this thing. So, come on. Anyway, he leaned into it, and he tried to break Win Red, which is the, uh, it's like Act Blue. It's the donation, the, the Republican uh, WinRed is the Republican donor platform. So if you make any donations, it goes into WinRed. The Democrats is Act Blue. Um, I will say that according to the uh, according to the campaign, DeSantis's efforts there yielded them over a million dollars. They pulled in a million dollars after that, and by comparison. Trump was touting that he pulled in a million and a half over the course of like three days when they when he got his uh, when when they indicted him. And that was supposed to be evidence like that was supposed to be a rallying point. Right. If you indict him, you're just going to get it. He's going to use it to his advantage. And he did. Right. They campaigned on it and they they fundraised off of it. And he got a million and a half over three days, which is a good haul. DeSantis got a million and. A couple hours. I don't know what it means. I'm just letting you know. Um, DeSantis is bypassing all. He bypassed all of the traditional media outlets. And Karen Townsend says this also must be driving Donald Trump nuts because he likes to think of himself as a big player on social media. And he is. He started his own platform to compete with Twitter when Twitter kicked him off. Unfortunately for Trump, though, Truth Social does not have anywhere near the audience that Twitter has. And I would add, he can't come back. He can't come back unless he 
you know, unless he eats a bit of crow or something. But this is like, if he comes back, he's going to undermine his very own product. Now, maybe he does that. Maybe that's the October surprise. Who knows? Like, I've long since given up trying to make predictions about what Trump will or won't do or trying to understand why he does the things he does. Doesn't matter. He does them. Um, but I don't think he, I mean, I, honestly, I, how could you come back? This is your company, Truth Social. It's your company. And he has people that push everything he, he socials out. He truth socials out, whatever. I don't even know what you call it. Truths? Is that what they call them? You post your truth? Is that the idea? I'm going to post my truth. <laughs> so he posts his truth, and then people take it, screenshot it, and push it out on Twitter, which Elon Musk noted last night. The, you know, the reason why people are aware of what Trump said is because he had somebody post it on Twitter. <laughs> That's a problem. I mean, that, that, it's an interesting dynamic to this, to this race now. But what about all of the other candidates? What about them? All right, I got some more audio. Uh, I've got the Trey Gowdy clip. I've got a, a, another response that, um, that DeSantis offered um, on free speech. We'll get to those. But also I'm curious, um, were you impressed at all with DeSantis? Are you, are you impressed with him? D- did any of this that happened last night change your opinion about the status of the race. Is it is it Trump's to lose still at this point? Because um, he seems to be pulling ahead of everybody else in the field. There's also this dynamic of what happens with uh, Tim Scott and uh, Nikki Haley. South Carolina has got, you know, the very early primary. Are they going to split the vote in the primary? Are they angling just for a uh, VP nod? Is that what they're in it for? And is there a benefit? I, I, I said this last night during the live stream that I think uh, I think Tim Scott as a VP pick would be very, very good for the GOP. What are you liking now? DeSantis makes it official. He is in. He does his announcement. He's making the rounds. He's doing interviews on conservative talk radio shows. He went on Fox News. He's going to be all over the place. He might even end up on this program. I'd like to think at some point, he, he, you know, He'd be worth it. Look, my view on all of a sudden I got asked, oh, who do you think is going to win? And I say the same thing all the time. I don't know who's going to win the elections because I can't tell the future and I don't believe the polling anymore because the polling has been so wrong so often. And even if it's just a little bit wrong in a close race, then you make a wrong prediction. So uh, and what's the value? Like, what's in it for me? If I guess right, what's in it for me? Because you got to guess right 100% of the time. Because then, right, as soon as you guess wrong, then people will say, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You got to be right every single time. And that's why you often see when people are in the biz of making these predictions, they never go back and give you their record. They never go back and say, oh, I I got that one wrong and this one wrong, and here's my percentage of correct calls. They, they They don't keep a running tally for you. So I, I'm just, I, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. So I don't make these predictions. Now that being said, and I've said, look for the North Carolina, it doesn't really matter because we have so long to wait before our primary. I don't have to decide right now, but it's a different story for South Carolina. And being on the border as we are, right? There are a lot of people in South Carolina that are going to be asked to make a decision when all of the candidates, or almost all of them, are still in the race. South Carolina. Very early, right? I think it's, uh, well, 
because the Democrats changed their first in the nation. They changed their uh, primaries. But the Republicans, I believe, they're still the same. So they're doing, right, New Hampshire, Iowa, South Carolina, I think, in that order. So we're still going to see, in South Carolina, we're still going to see all of the candidates on the ballot. So who do you like? I kind of like Tim Scott as a VP, and I think there's a real benefit here. Um, and I don't know if Trump would, you know, have him as the vice president. I think that's it's it's possible that he could do it. I don't think Tim Scott has gone after Donald Trump in any kind of nasty or meaningful way that at least that I'm aware of. I'm not saying he hasn't. He may have. Um, but if he just says some nice things, Trump will probably, you know, forgive him for it. Trump is very transactional like that. I'm not saying that as an insult. He, I think he's just he's transactional like that. If you're going to talk nice about him, then he, OK, fine. Look at Lindsey Graham. Right. They were at each other's throats. At the very beginning of the primary in 16, and then, you know, now Lindsey and he's golfing all the time with, with Donald Trump. So, I don't know. But I think Tim Scott has a real value in the GOP in that the more times you can see black Republicans being elected and espousing the limited government philosophy, the more it dismantles this falsely constructed argument that the left advances that limited government is some sort of a dog whistle for racism and institutional racism. And it's the exact opposite, actually. You get institutional racism when you have larger institutions, right, that are controlled by a system, a party, a group of people, and they become entrenched. So you want limited government so as to minimize that. So the more people that we can see in elected positions... I think the the better off the Republican Party is, and it'll attract more people to the limited government philosophy of all uh, racial and ethnic demographics. And I think that's good because there isn't anything racial or ethnic about limited government. That's the philosophy. And in fact, that's the unifying philosophy that is supposed to bind us all together as Americans. That was supposed to be it. The concept of federalism, you know, local control, self-rule. Individual liberty, this was the idea that united us. This is the American concept. And we are divided because there are people who do not believe that that is the core mission here. They want it the other way. So uh, I think Tim Scott, and maybe he's just in it. To get a VP nod, I don't know. But I still think, I mean, I still think Trump's got the, he's got the upper hand. Because there are so many other candidates in the race right now. All he's got to do is pull 30%, and that's his floor, right? Well, that's all he's got to pull in the Republican primary, and he'll keep he'll keep winning these states early on. All right, hey, real quick. It is estimated that more than 6 million Americans have Alzheimer's. It affected my family. My grandpa had it. New research and treatments are showing promise, but there's still a long way to go. So can you help me by supporting the Alzheimer's Association's Western Carolina chapter? The Family Dance Party Charlotte's on June 10th from 1 o'clock until 5 o'clock. It's at the Roxbury Nightclub in Uptown Charlotte. Go to Mix1079.com and get tickets and come bust a move on the dance floor or donate tickets to a family that's battling the disease. The Family Dance Party is presented by Jameson Realty. Again, if you can help us out, I appreciate it. Go to Mix1079.com and thank you for considering the request.